All righty. So I'm just going to j- dive right into this. So I hear that uh, Adam, he actually sent me some pictures from the Jeff Combs uh, birthplace National Historic Site uh, as he's away in Arizona this week. Oh, yeah. Yep. Lots of monuments to me there. <laughs> we lead the nation in monument in national monuments in parks, I think. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. We're very monumental. So uh, yet again, with Adam away, I'm going to kind of need you to step into the role of, uh, of you know, cynic and, and sad sack um, and, uh, and make sure that we've got some some good uh, some good angst. Well, I haven't eaten dinner yet, so I'm pretty sure my blood sugar will drop and that'll bring out the cranky naturally. So perfect. Soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our newest episode of Soccer Chat. Soccer Chat. Brought to you by the beautiful game network, bgn.fm. Also brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. And a special shout out to our friends at Charlie's. Uh, We just want to give them uh, some shine because unfortunately they had some electronic issues with one of their smokers and were unable to... uh, to have uh, some sales, I believe it was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, from the sounds of it, there's pretty good hope that they're going to be repaired, but they're, uh, they've got a fantastic menu that you can pre-order your uh, smoked turkey and smoked ham for Thanksgiving Day. So definitely uh, give them a look and uh, see about maybe providing a delicious smoked turkey. Let them do the work and, uh, and have a good Friendsgiving or Thanksgiving meal on uh, Charlie's. We did that last year. Actually, we got the uh, Charlie's Thanksgiving, and uh, the having a smoked turkey is quite delicious. Sounds amazing. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to look at, at finding a way to do that at some point. So, um, so turning to the Red Wolves, uh, this last weekend, uh, about a couple hours before kickoff, they uh, put out the announcement that unfortunately a couple players on the Red Wolves team had uh, had had positive tests um or not necessarily players on the team actually that they they just said that people who were um you know part of the staff or players um they said that those people had immediately been quarantined and were not showing any symptoms um and uh and so I think they were retesting hoping maybe there was a false positive but out of an abundance of caution they canceled the match. Uh, I, I mean, I think overall they handled it the right way. Jeff uh, was a bit of a bummer, though, not to have the game on Saturday. Yeah, it was very quick notice and we were ready to go because it was another early, it's not as early as we play, but it was a fairly early match in just a couple of hours before. And actually looking at the statement here, it officially said that it had uh, uh, that a COVID test produced two unconfirmed positives within Chattanooga's 40 person covered list. You know, so we don't we don't have 40 players. So it's uh, right. We, we're not sure who they were. I haven't heard anything about any players. I'm I have a feeling if it had been a player, we may more likely have heard about it. But again, yeah, you you want to take extra precaution. Uh, but it's um, so we got a game in hand. And, I, you know, in a way, I think we kind of we were we were limping uh, out 
for the last few matches, we were on such a good run. And then we had, we dropped three in a row. Uh, even w- like the last match, uh, even though we had a bit of a break, you could tell they still weren't either rested or recovered. Yeah. And so there was some playing with some mild injuries. So I guess the positive with that is hopefully we're going to come out uh, a bit stronger and more prepared and uh, as they come back home. So I'm hoping we're going to have a full side um, and only those who are on the long term um, um, out uh, for injuries are well, hopefully will be there. So I'm hoping yeah. we're going to have a good lineup, but we'll we'll talk about the lineup later, obviously. That that can be a good positive. The one I'm going to say challenge. I'm not going to say negative because it's not really uh, anything that someone does wrong. But um, Orlando City. So we're going to play this Saturday with Madison, mm-hmm. and uh, this Wednesday Orlando City is playing a game that was already rescheduled against Richmond, and then we'll be playing the game against Richmond on the Saturday. So it's going to have to be either the Tuesday or Wednesday between what would have been our season finale against Richmond and when the scheduled championship game was for us to get that game made up. Uh, So that's going to be an incredibly quick turnaround. And if everything goes the way that we really want it to go, it's going to be a quick turnaround leading into what would be the championship match. And so that's that's definitely a challenge, but I guess when you look back at our best run of form, it was when we were playing five games in 15 days. So I guess those two runs could kind of be the way that we end up winning. Um, and then maybe we ask for them to schedule us, uh, you know, every game, just groups of five games in 15 days. <laughs> no, I don't think coach is going to go for that. The other thing I was thinking about, I was looking forward to the Orlando match was because it's okay. Of our last three matches, we've got Madison, we've got Richmond and we've got Orlando. Orlando should have been, should be uh, the easiest for us to play because they're in the bottom of the league, Uh, though they've been a bogey side for us. And we've, we've had some difficulty uh, getting wins from them, but there's that momentum. It would have been nice to have gone there, got three points. And that way, taking that three points ride into this weekend was what I was imagining, yeah. but it's, it's 2020. We don't get what we want. <laughs> no, for sure. And I mean, really, you know, there, there have been reports, of course, we're not the only team uh, that's had to deal with this, mm. um, but we basically got to, you know, practically the final week of the season before it really uh, affected us. Um, and so I think that says something to what the club has done uh, what how the players have behaved with their discipline uh, to try to make sure that they're able to uh, to keep playing as this season has gone along uh, to keep themselves prepared and and not do anything silly. Um, so so you know kudos to them for that and and uh, you know it's it's just not a thing that can be fully guarded against um, while they're playing. Uh, but uh, but I think they've done as best they can and try to adhere to those protocols as much as, as, uh, as they can, uh, as strictly as possible to, to be, make sure that they were able to play. Yeah. So we come into this game this Saturday with Madison who played earlier this afternoon against Fort Lauderdale and had a two, two draw. Uh, before that they have had two scoreless draws. So they are on a, uh, a tie streak. And uh, what do you expect Madison to do as they come into our stadium? It's kind of a good time to face them because they're starting to cool down. They were heating up for a little bit. 
uh, they didn't have the best start. Then they were warming up, and then they started to cool down. So I'm hoping that that cooling pattern continues. Obviously, you know, you're looking at some of their key players who are you always got to pay attention to. And so, like, for example, you've always got to – I wrote down uh, Wojtek uh, Vucic. Uh, you've got to look out for him, Vang, and Paolo. Paolo, I think, is the one I'm most concerned with Yeah. Uh, just because – he is the one that creates opportunities and uh, Wojciech will, uh, will, will finish it off or, or, or Vang will, but Paolo could do either or. I think one advantage though, is certainly we have a much stronger keeper against them. Um, they have, they've actually had two keepers and Marcetta and Brady and both of them really have struggled. And so um, I'm hoping that's going to be our advantage if we could keep our back line back what it was because we we had some people injured so we had to move away uh Ramos from the center back so if we can keep him back there and have our running backs there i think we're going to be able to guard that back end much better and and as well as create openings because i i think we can get goals from these guys yeah, so they're a team that is obviously built defensively. They have not scored uh, many goals through the season. Of course, like I said, over the last three games, they've had two goals scored, uh, played two games that were scoreless. Um, but they they do a good job of keeping games tight, except for uh, those off times where they've you know they've gotten absolutely smacked. Uh, they you know they did some smacking themselves uh, in a game earlier this season against Tormenta. Uh, that I think they won four nothing, uh, but they've had a couple games where where the score was lopsided in that wrong direction, um, and so our guys hopefully will be a lot more comfortable with the fact that they're only looking at soccer lines, <laughs> and um, and so hopefully that can kind of help them. And you know, as you've talked about with a lot of the rest that they had, um, that they'll uh, not just have the rest, but be home. Uh, helps give them that extra push that they'll want to have. Um, I think it's gonna. It's a Saturday afternoon, so it's gonna be a good crowd. Um, they're doing a uh, a pink out, working with uh, CHI Memorial yes. and the Mary Ellen Loker Breast Center, uh, handing out pink rally towels. Uh, I love that the team's doing it, and it's just a, a horrible coincidence that those pink rally towels are being handed out when they're playing Madison. Um, not not much they could do about that scheduling. So what we need to do is we've got to get everyone else out there. Everything else has to be red, intimidating red, and wave those pink towels so that uh, Madison will see that we stole it from them and we own them. When we shake it, we're letting them know, you work for us, buddy. That's what that message is. So in the extra motivation uh, as part of that, not just with the the rally towels, they're also going to have uh, a coach on site uh, by coach, I mean like a, a bus that is going to be offering free mammograms um, for people. Uh, but the the big thing is they have pledged a thousand dollars for every goal that's scored. So there's a, a good motivation for these players to go out and score goals for a good cause. Um, each one that they score, so you know a five six blowout um, leads to uh, a very sizable donation from the Red Wolves for CHI Memorial. Uh, so hopefully that's going to be um, that's going to be good motivation on top of the fact that, you know, they they have to win. Yeah. 
um, winning, when you look at the overall standings, winning might not be enough, but they have to win to have any chance of finding themselves in that top two. Yeah. Um, and so they've got to get out and they've got to take care of business. So you hope that that professionalism is there uh, to to do that. Yeah, we've got to win every game coming forward. And I've got to say that this is, I think, a key moment for us. I had expected that our big key was going to be uh, Greenville and uh, not Greenville, sorry, Richmond at the what was going to be the last game. Uh-huh. But right now I'm kind of wondering if maybe this is that watershed that uh, because if we don't turn this on, it doesn't matter what happens at Richmond. So we've got to take we've got to rally the troops. Uh, thankfully, we'll be at CHI Memorial where we could help with that. Yeah. And I'm just really hoping that our players are that we had to see either play limited or sit on the bench will be available uh, this time. So I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, it's it's hard to tell. Um, you know, we didn't know who had traveled down to. Uh, to get ready for the match against Orlando. We didn't know who was going to be ready uh, to play this match or, or, you know, who, who might've been in the lineup that that was probably going to be released 30 minutes from when they announced that the game was being canceled. (laughs) So it's hard to tell if, you know, someone's still nursing an injury or, uh, or if those guys are all back and fully fit Um, someone like Steven Beattie, if he makes a start or if he's going to be a a guy that changes the pace coming off the bench, Uh, if Ricky Ruiz is going to be ready to be back in the lineup uh, so that Ramos can move back to the center. Yeah. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what they have, if they're going to have Greg for the full 90, uh, if they're going to have someone else that comes out on the wing to start that game. Uh, So we'll have to wait and see what, I guess what's, what's kind of, what are you hoping to see? Who do you want to see back in the lineup that you think is really going to change that momentum? Well, we're going to see Mangles, um, which um, I do wish at some point we get to see Tim come out. So maybe at the very end of the match, if Tim could come out, at least play a little bit. <laughs> but I, I do expect Mangles there. And I'm I'm hoping to see again uh, Leo and Ramos there because they do they work so well in that center back position. So I'm expecting Ricky back on left wing. And of course, Ricketts has been solid on the right wing. Um, I get a little fuzzier on the mid part. And again, it depends on who's available. Uh, I think Soto has been quite a good anchor. Um, Been impressed uh, with Connor. Um, And, you know, I know that we were, um, there's some players who, normally play mid that we've had to play out and i and i really don't expect uh that uh, wally's going to be back so i i really don't think that's going to happen yeah so um he's given tanner a lot of um opportunities to play in there and he's been mixed in so far as when he's good he's really good and then sometimes he's off yeah so if he's there i really need him in there um I'm kind of wondering about maybe Rowe playing midfield again, which is his actual position. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, I I do see in the front, I'd like to see Marky back. And if Marky's back up front, um, Ricardo and Greg to start. And if we've got that, then Greg doesn't have to play the whole match. Yeah. If we've got Marky up there and Ricky on the side. So I think you're right on that. I think if we can have... 
uh, if if Ricky and Gre- or not Ricky, if Marky and Greg are good enough to start, uh, then it does open up the ability to take someone like Rowe and put him in the midfield um, and maybe give someone like Tanner a rest. I agree with you. I think I think he's been kind of up and down. I think it's more up than down. Yeah, um, but yeah. definitely in this last match against North Texas, I I don't think he was all all uh, all there um, and and didn't have his best match. Um, so to to have someone like Roe be able to to get that start and play in the midfield role um, adds a little bit of dynamism and uh, and maybe can kind of get some things going offensively uh, to get stuff started the right way. Um, if not, then you're probably going to see him out on the wing um, with either Greg or Markey. Um, you know, I I wonder about uh, about Pat, uh, Pato Patrick Aconquo and whether he's you know spent enough time with the club now to maybe earn a start to put him out there and see you know him in that number nine over uh over ricardo and see what he can do to try to kind of change uh change the mojo and see if him doing more than just kind of five minute ten minute mop-up duty uh allows him to to really play a, a full match and see what he can do I think that would be very interesting because I've kind of wondered what it would be like to see Ricardo come in as an impact player. Right. Uh, He's got a lot of talent, but if he came out in the last few minutes and brought some energy, that would be really interesting because he's, he's got some nice touches. Uh, So yeah, I, I, I think that would be quite interesting, but again, we, we don't know how they've been practicing and uh, it would have been nice to have at least seen uh, who the coach had planned to play at Orlando, but we never got that far. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and make our painful predictions. What do you think is going to happen in this match? Well, um, I'm actually feeling pretty good about it um, because um, I know that Madison's a very defensive team, but they also can get shut out. And I think we've got the ability to do a clean sheet against them. And I'm actually going to go confident it's going to be two nil. And I'm going to say it's going to be one in each half. We're gonna get a we're gonna get a goal in the first half and a goal um in the second. All right. Um I I'm really feeling a tight game. Um and I'm afraid this is gonna end up being more like a one nothing. I, I think you're right. I think we've got what it takes defensively to keep them bottled up. Uh but I'm afraid based on, you know, the the previous results that that the same sort of thing is going to happen. And I'm afraid of what kind of injuries we have going in that are going to kind of blunt our attack. Um, and so I think it's one that's kind of desperate uh, where maybe we score, you know, after the 75th minute, uh, which leads to a lot of excitement, um, but uh, is going to be very uh, angsty <laughs> for the, for the most of the afternoon. Yeah. I know in the last match that we played, we got the goal early and it felt like, well, we've got this. I mean, Hurst has already scored yeah. and then, it's so that doesn't mean anything <laughs> End of the day. Uh, so yeah, if we have now my two nil is if we are, is if Greg is, is pretty healthy, if Marky's pretty healthy and Ricky's healthy, then yeah, I, I can see a two nil, but if we're struggling in there, it's probably going to be closer to a one nil. Yeah. And you know, I mean, well, of course what I really want to see, like I said, is a, is a five, six nil blowout where we really get ourselves on a positive, uh, positive momentum for these last three games. Um, but but bowing to reality and, and the way things are as we get to the end of this incredibly fast paced season, 
Um, I, I think it's going to be a lot more of uh, of just kind of who's going to be able to grit it out more. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be rough. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break and uh, give you an interview we had with Ronaldo Pineda. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy that as we talk to him about what his first year has been like and uh, and get some tips on how to get the uh, the beautiful sheen and uh, and bounce that uh, he has in those that wonderful hair. All right, folks, we are here with Red Wolves midfielder Ro Pineda. Ro, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So um, we have some really, really important questions about hair care that we'll save for the end of the interview um, <laughs> because our favorite part of having you signed was those luscious locks. But uh, first season uh, as a professional here with the Red Wolves, having an opportunity to play pretty much every game so far this year, um, what's the biggest thing that you've learned uh, in your first season as a professional? I guess this first year was very identifying in a way on and off the pitch. Uh, I mean, just going based off like what I felt, I felt like I grew and that, and now that I grew, I feel like I need to grow much more in both aspects of, uh, being a professional, I guess you can say, uh, just like um, anything that happens like off the pitch or on the pitch, I guess resembles some kind of discipline and understanding how I'm going to deal with it or how I can deal with it. And for me, the first shoe was very, well, the experience, but for me was very like, uh, more of a learning experience given that I didn't know much about the league, the teams, um, how you're supposed to act during and before and after games, like just learning so much this year was like a whole, a whole new perspective for me, I guess, in a individual point of view. Now I know that you're listed as a midfielder, and uh, we haven't seen you play midfield too much. You've usually been a much more advanced role. So when you played uh, at Fullerton and at uh, Golden State Force and the Park City, did you play midfield or were you playing um, as, a, as a forward there as well? Going back on that, like I grew up playing center mid my entire life. I played center back here and there, but it was always just like, like pickup games. Uh, my excitement, my joy of playing is always in the midfield. Uh, I like creating, I like dominating the field, I guess, in a way. But yeah, as I progressed with age and years playing soccer, I started moving towards the finishing line, giving a role as a nine or out wide. I didn't start playing out wide officially till I got to college in Cal State Fullerton for George Koontz. Uh, and for me, it was... Uh, it was kind of difficult adjusting to it, but I feel like I kind of managed managed it real quick, just given that it's a very fast-paced league, like all colleges. And you get like a rhythm. You you get this like sense of like, oh, I've, 
I've been playing here week in, week out, and you kind of get a rhythm for it. And then the training is so consistent that you're playing back to back. So it kind of like made me have this memory in my head of like, oh, I've been here before. So it became natural. And then after I left college, I just started roaming again in the midfield. And this year was a new challenge again to start adapting to it. And I feel like I've been adapting to it. But just with all that, I feel like I know I can get so much better beyond what I thought. You still got a few games in the season left to make memories, of course. But what's what's kind of a play that stuck out to you so far this year? Something that you're really proud of or or think back on and smile? Well, most of my happiness is is like a collective thing when everyone's performing and we get results. There was the there was this time I'm pretty sure everyone's aware when we went like four or five games within like two weeks. And we, we discussed about it prior to that leading up to the games happening. And we had like this goal as we had a goal since the beginning. And the goal hasn't changed, but that week of just digging deep and picking up injuries and still managing to get results on the road and then consistent games back to back and just making our way up the ladder and getting ourselves in a real good position. That was one of the most exciting things. Cause that brings like a, a unity to the group. Like it, it makes us stronger and it gives us like the understanding that we can win this. And well, we already believe we can, but that just showed that it's possible. You guys have, um, there's been a lot of talk with different players and coaches that we've had on about what a tight group you guys are. Um, how in this, you know, kind of a, a rough stretch here, uh, as we've lost three straight, how is having that bond with each other kind of helping you guys get prepared for the final few games of the season? Uh, well, nothing has changed really. I mean, we're still, we, we understand that there has to be a winner and someone else has to lose. So we kind of been on the bad side of things right now, but it hasn't changed the goal of of trying to reach that final spot. Cause if we look at the standings right now, we're, you, you might look at it and we're down maybe to six plays, but it's within like two points of being back into the race of second and third place. And, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of goes back and we, we don't like as like players to rely on other results, but the situation that we're in, we believe that we can make it and the goal is going to be the same till the end of the year, regardless if we, we don't get those results in our favor, we're still going to try to be in the best position given as an individual thing and as a collective thing. And then also to lead into next season with the positive result. Now, uh, Alex had mentioned about your, how, how well you connect up with some of the other players, but I know you've got some history with several of our players. Uh, of course, you've got a cousin, uh, with Ami, and unfortunately, Ami went out pretty early. Uh, but uh, I know that you were on a team as a youth with Marky and with uh, Ricky. Is that true? Correct. And to add to that, Obleda was our coach for that team. And we did wonderful things with that group. And it's similar to what we have going on here. And well, the experience growing up with them, with Ricky and Marky, was we we kind of like, feel like we're family rather than like, oh, soccer gave me a friendship or soccer gave me a good friend or 
it was more than that. And to this day, and maybe 40, 50 years from now, I can assure you that Ricky and Marky and some of the other guys I start meeting are going to become part of my family. I might invite them to a wedding, hopefully one day. Like It's just been a great uh, memory for me and a great time during those years. Very cool. Very cool. So who is it uh, that you're learning to connect with this year that you didn't play with uh, before? Uh, I know you're, uh, you're, you're playing with Greg a bit. You're uh, playing with Ricardo a bit, uh, Connor Doyle. So uh, talk to me about who you're connecting with up front that you, uh, you didn't really know until you got here. Kind of hard question to answer, but if you ask me that, I guess there is one guy. And he's uh, one of the new guys, and his name is uh, Tanner Dietrich. He's a loney from Nashville. Um, we linked, like, the moment he stepped into practice the first day. It was, like, a quick link. Aside of that, I feel like you just feel it as you play. It's never like, oh, me and him have something, or me and him. It's, you just feel it in the field, like, Oh, I know that, let's say, for example, Greg makes this run and without even thinking, I already put a ball knowing that he's going to be in a certain place at a certain time. So hey, you just be um, develop this like chemistry and this style of just understanding other people's roles and their, and their pros and cons. So you kind of, if you know someone's not fast, you're not going to ping a ball into a 50-yard run. You're going to play his feet. Just moments that you recognize where you all oh, this guy's good on the ball, this guy's good at technically, this guy's good on pace, this guy has a good shot, set him up for a shot, early shot. So it just becomes with repetition and training and training, just getting to understand the players and the team as a whole. We've got a, a balanced club with uh, with quite a few veterans, um, guys that have that have played professionally for a number of years. What is something that they've taught you this year, uh, your first as a pro, that you're going to be able to carry the rest of your career? Number one, professionalism. Uh, they kind of set the bars high, and I try to mimic, and I know I need to grow a lot more. But I, I am glad to have them as role models my first year, given that they've done it at a high level. Stephen Beattie, Connor Doyle, Mangles. Uh, I talked to Soto a lot during training. Uh, Wally, the same thing. Um, they kind of teach me a lot. And even sometimes it's not even conversating. It's just watching them at practice while I'm doing something else and they're, they're doing something else. I just try to watch them off the ball, on the ball, the way they hold themselves. Like prior to practice, I try to get there early and I watch some of the guys get there early and they have their routines. And I, I kind of like see what benefits me in a way where it's going to help me be better at practice or be better overall in general or just better in games. So I kind of mimic in a way where I'm learning as I go. So every day I try to learn one thing and I have it set on my board at home. <laughs> I have something to learn every day. So answering that's more simple. Of course, I have uh, great role models and captains that teach me a lot day in and day in, day out. <laughs> that's that's really cool about the board, just kind of having it there to remind yeah. yourself every day. Uh, something yeah. something that can definitely be passed on to 
to kids with uh, kids uh, that are playing and, and learning to play and stuff that, you know, even even when you're, uh, you know, have the amazing hair and all the girls love you, uh, and you get the <laughs> professional contract, you still still want to be looking for ways to learn. Yeah, of course. Um, looking towards the game this weekend uh, against Forward Madison, uh, we were unable to to crack the code in the game up there in Madison. What are you guys talking about as a team that are the keys to breaking them down and coming away with a victory this weekend? For the most part, I'm always going to uh, go back to it because in reality, nothing's ever going to change. Uh, alongside of Jimmy O'Blair, he wants the best, the absolute best from every single player. And as a team, like he will never go for any type of like, it's all right, it's all right. No, so we're always pushing to be the best and get the best result out of that. But the way we're going to approach it is just understand the situation we're in, that we're still in this and we're in it to win it. So we're just preparing with days, with uh, tactics that might hurt them watching film. But uh, as of now, we're just focused on being the best on the pitch. So every anything that happens on top of that is just, I mean, it's out of our control, but we're going to do our best individually as a whole to get the result this Saturday. And it's it's a win or win situation for us. So we we're coming out with it. Now, we had a really tight run there. We referred to it as the gauntlet uh, where you guys were playing like every other day, it seemed like. And of course, now you haven't played in 10 days. Uh, so or at least you wouldn't have until Saturday. So what was it like playing that many games in succession? Uh, it was it, it was it was exciting, just given the fact that we were consistently on the road playing and we love playing. So I mean, who wouldn't like enjoy that? But it was very very stressful in a way where you're practicing one day and you try to recover, try to get the right protein, the right carbs just getting the body right. And then you have to be mentally tough to be traveling. Your body's getting heavy. You pick up 90 minutes here and then you pick up injuries here and there. And then you have to play another 90. And it was just more of like a fight. But at the end of the day, knowing that every result, every outcome is going to pay off. And like I said, it was one of the best moments this season, given that we came off with good points and it led us to be in the, the race for the final game and then it puts us in second place so that was a very tough time but we came out I feel more on the positive side now I know you grew up out west I, I grew up in Phoenix so I understand nice. uh, I understand what it's like to be hot uh, but and I know that you played USL too so you traveled around so you're used to playing in the heat but Playing in Chattanooga is a little different because of all the humidity. And then this year, of course, nothing happened as planned because of 2020. But you end up playing in the middle of the day. So what was that adjustment like going to the middle of the day in, like, ridiculous humidity this year? Uh, I mean, prior to coming to Chattanooga, we would play sometimes in the East Coast, and we would understand sometimes it was either below zero or the humidity was too high. So it was kind of just adjusting to it. And I feel like as for me, it became tough in the beginning because it was super cold when I arrived here. 
like freezing. I don't know how people were saying, <laughs> you'll get over it, you'll deal with it. Like I couldn't. And then it started drifting off and the humidity wasn't as bad compared to the freezing, I guess you can say. So the humidity for me was like a plus, but it was like draining. So I had to drink so much more water than I was accustomed to. So I think I deal, I managed that very well as well as everyone else in the group. Um, so of course you have the history with coach Obleda coaching you with Fullerton Rangers. Um, we have an outstanding challenge to coach Obleda and coach Sawchak, uh, for a, a match of soccer tennis. Um, so we, <laughs> we need your insight. We need to know, uh, something maybe we can say to get under his skin, get in his head, uh, maybe some other tactics that we can use to try to get him off his game. Uh, what what uh, <laughs> advice do you have for us when we square off once we're finally allowed to be within six feet of you guys? Uh, so it's 2v1, you're saying, right? Well, it's going to be 2v2. It's going to be 2... Yeah, Coach Obleda and Sawcheck. Oh, no, it's going to be 2v1. No, it's going to be 2v1. You're playing against Kev. Okay. No, don't worry <laughs> about Jimmy. <laughs> don't worry about Jimmy. Oh man! <laughs> Just wear some earplugs. That's that's all you need. <laughs> but it's it's a U two against Kev, so be careful with Kev. He's 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 a baller. Get on his feet. <laughs> but don't worry about Obleda. <laughs> yeah, going back to your time playing with him. Um, you know, are there are there times where he starts hollering at you on the field, and you just smile, thinking back to one of those days when you were with the U14s and, and he's saying, you know, something that's familiar that you remember. Everything he tells me, I try to keep it behind doors. I just try to keep it on myself and between him and I. Sure. But yeah, of course I have those moments. It doesn't, it doesn't come to me during the games or during trainings. I try to put that aside because I try to be as professional as possible. I'm sure he is as well, but it definitely is. He's always giving me a lot of, stuff when I'm not as sharp as I'm supposed to. But the few times that the moments get tough and I realize this is a blessing given that I grew up with James Obleda and then joining him here for my first year is just like, we. I think about all those moments, like who would have thought coming from California, both of us and just meeting up here for our both first years. It, it, I think it was a great experience for me. I'm very grateful for that, I guess, in a way where you never know what could happen in, in the sport. Now, you haven't had the advantage that uh, Ami had last year of kind of interacting with us before because we've had to keep distance. But what have what has been your so, so far your um, understanding or uh, interactions with fans? Uh, I know some of them have been in a distance, but has that been different from League Two or um, – or how's it been? Do you feel well received in Chattanooga? I definitely feel a love from the fans. I mean, for my first year, I, I don't know what to expect. So everything that I experienced this year was like, it was, it was pretty cool. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat or anything. Or like, I'm, I was super happy when I started hearing that the fans were going to be allowed and the people actually would come around and then I would see the announcements of sellouts and sellouts. And I was wondering, what if this never happened? Would we be having stadiums sold out every game? So for the most part, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good 
uh, turnaround for the fans. I mean, the supporters here are exciting. They give us a little boost sometimes here and there when we need them. And a lot of people don't know, I mean, that when you hear the fans chanting and getting into the game, it just gives you that much more to fight for because you know they're behind you and you want to make sure you repay them with gratitude of like, I'm going to kill myself on the field for you guys being here to support, you know? So it kind of brings a little bit more of fight and desire to the team, to the group. I'm sure a lot of players can agree when the fans get involved in the game, it just helps us out by a lot. And that, that should be coming with home advantage. It's one of the reasons people are more successful in their home. So as you've kind of made a tour of the stadiums around the league, um, you know, we're, I think we're kind of unique in how close the fans are. How easy is it for you to hear people that are hollering things, um, you know, when we're trying to give the other team's goalkeeper a hard time or one of their defenders or anything <laughs> like that? Yeah, it's, I actually love it. Uh, <laughs> as a kid, I would I would grow up watching the Premier League and I would just love the, how close the, the fans were. As soon as you would shoot or score, the fans would lift up and you felt like they were just there and you were, and you score and you celebrate down the line and you just, you just feel all the energy, the positive energy. It's just exciting to have that. And it's very, I, I think we are the best stadium, one of the best stadiums in the league. And it could possibly be one of the best in the country, given if the fan base keeps coming and we keep winning. This is a very, very good place to be. And I heard we got news that the NCAA is already coming into Chattanooga, into the CHI stadium for their national championships. Yeah, we saw that news this afternoon. That's going to be exciting. I'm I'm really pumped about that. And I think that, yeah, it's pretty nice. I mean, I think it also go well for the, the town. I mean, you're bringing in a lot of uh, people that are not aware or familiar with the town that are going to be like, oh, wow, Chattanooga. And then I think it's little by little progression. I think it's going to grow and grow and grow. Speaking of grow and grow and grow, Alex had alluded to uh, one of the things you were most famous for when you were signed, which was your luscious locks, which now seeing you on the field, they're gone. And so I have to wonder, were you concerned that when you cut off your hair, you're going to lose some of your superpowers? <laughs> oh, man. No, <laughs> no, I just I, I, I just <laughs> remember I asked the tough questions. <laughs> I figured it was time to cut my hair off. It was about seven years with my hair. I think I was growing it out when I was coming out of high school or before high school, I was starting to let it grow out. I am now 24 years old. I was like, I think it's time. And I cut it on my birthday, actually. <laughs> so it was a couple of weeks ago. So as uh, as someone who's uh, follically challenged uh, and lived vicariously through your hair, it, it really hurt me uh, to see uh. it go. <laughs> Uh, do you have any any of it left laying around that maybe uh, you could send this way? Uh, I think I kept like a little strip of hair, uh-huh. but I think it sealed away. Okay, given that it, those those were very important years of my life. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess you can say it's one of my. I, I understand. You got. <laughs> I got to shoot my shot, but 
but I understand. <laughs> I, I could give you one strand. I could give you a strand of hair. No, hold, hold on to that because a few years from now, you're going to put that on eBay and that's going to buy you a pool, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you hold or, on to that. That's going to come back to you. Yeah. Or, uh, as long as we have an agreement, there's no cloning with technology nowadays. <laughs> All right. Well, we we really appreciate your time, Ro, and uh, we want to wish all of you guys good luck this Saturday. Of course, we'll be there cheering you on, and uh, and so we look forward to that this Saturday. Thank you. So, how many goals are you going to get for us on Saturday? Oh, uh, how many can you promise us that, that you yourself are going to get in? Uh, I keep telling the guys I'm gonna get a hat trick. There you go. I keep telling them that I I, I keep telling the guys here, and they keep joking. Yeah. And I tell him, like, I owe it, I owe it, I owe it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Last home game, buddy. Last yeah. home game. This is it, bro. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. I, I'm going to try to do that for the fans, for the supporters, for the group. Thank you, man. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Ro. All right. Well, Ro's, uh, Ro's pretty confident. He's feeling good about uh, about uh, about his uh, – his first game coming back hat trick. That's what I heard. Hat trick. That's a promise. Yeah. Predicting the hat trick. So he thinks our, uh, he thinks our predictions are trash. He's yeah. he's going to go out there and, and settle that for us. That's right. Yeah. It's going to be at least three nil because it's going to be, well, that's just, if it's just row. So it could be that five or six, you know, that's true. Uh, I'm sure he'll let other people have hat tricks too. Yes. No, he's been an excellent distributor of the ball, especially when he gets down into the into the baseline and, and all of that. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's going to be uh, be fun to see. Um, so I had on here talking about kind of the League One race to the finish. Of course, we've had some results that went our way. Madison's draws over the weekend, uh, you know, Omaha dropping points in a tie with Madison, Richmond losing to North Texas on Saturday. Um, so, I mean, doggone it. We're, we're still in it <laughs> yeah. no matter, uh, no matter what happens in our, you know, everyone else seems to be, uh, be willing to let us hang around. Yeah. Well, we're, we're backing up into it. So we're not rushing forward, but others are, um, uh, others are struggling as much as we're struggling. So I think it's just kind of a testament to this 16 game season that was played so quickly involved. Uh, a lot of games with really quick turnarounds and things having to be rescheduled. Um, I think it's probably a testament to that. And, uh, and I mean, gosh, kudos to Greenville for getting out front and, and just running away with it. Um, you know, showing what they, uh, what the quality that they have as a club. So. Yeah. I think they're still going to get another six points. So they're not finished. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so there's other big news in USL uh, with a big piece that was put out in the athletic. Um, everyone knows my stance on paywalls. So I have not read the article, um, but from discussing with folks, uh, I've gotten a pretty good gist. Um, it seems as though uh, at least a, a number of MLS clubs, if not all of the MLS clubs are looking to form a reserve league which would mean uh, a lot of those MLS two teams that are in both USL championship and league one uh, moving away from USL and joining that reserve league. Um, what's uh, what's your impression? Have you been, have you had a chance to read it? Yeah, I got a chance to look at it. A friend of mine had, uh, had let me take a, a gander at this. Now there's several clubs we've already had known that were already 
moving towards joining USL League One. And actually, in the number that I'm seeing is uh, five, uh, though I've heard from three to five. And now there are five two ML- MLS sides, so we could lose five and gain five. Right. Now, this doesn't include Rochester, which we have no idea if and when they're going to play. I think when they, if they ever do, it'll be like a time of celebration because we would have thought they were a myth. But uh, I know that there's been a lot of talk with uh, Manchester, which is in New Hampshire, um, Fort Wayne, Indiana. So that's a that's a complete different market for us. So it's not too far from um, from some of that upper Midwest. If we, if Lansing had kept there, that would have been a really good rivalry there. Um, Portland, Maine, and um, so that's um, I've I used to live in uh, in uh, New Brunswick, Canada, which going through. New Hampshire and Maine, those are both good markets. And actually Portland and Manchester are not very far apart. So there would be a good rivalry uh, with them. Right. And then another one completely on the other side of the world in Spokane, Washington. Uh, those are the five that are kind of that there have already been movements on. And then there's several others that uh, there's been rumors of. And that's Athens, Georgia, which would be good for us. Uh, Columbia, South Carolina, which would be really good with uh, Greenville as well as Statesboro. Huntsville, Alabama, which would be the closest to us and where I actually live in Alabama. So that would be really easy for us to do some uh, uh, some road. Is that is that going to tug at your loyalties, Jeff? It will not, because I am I was Wolfman before the Red Wolves got here. And uh, I don't think Huntsville. Now, they have the best name of their minor league baseball team. Do you know who they are? That's right. It's the Huntsville Huntsville Trash Trash Pandas. Pandas. Yes. And that's, you know, so I'm expecting that level of epic uh, would be with their soccer team. Lexington, I was surprised that there wasn't already um, a a good-sized club there because that's a very large market. And then one over in northwest Arkansas, somewhere in Fayetteville, Bentonville. So basically the the Walmart side. Right. And then the last one I'm hearing is – really far away uh and uh it's it's actually a larger market than people realize and that's sioux falls south dakota i actually have a cousin that lives in sioux falls okay i've never been there always wanted to go to south dakota i actually haven't either so this might be kind of a good pretext for me to go visit my cousin (laughs) (laughs) so personally it's i'm not shocked that the mls would be interested in creating their own league where how do i say this gently they're getting their hiney spanked. It's one thing when they were getting spanked in championship, but they're getting spanked by League One teams by and large. It wasn't the case with North Texas last year. They were actually very dominant. But this year they've right. struggled a bit. And I don't know, Fort Lauderdale, Orlando in particular, has really struggled. Toronto didn't have the best year last year. New England is finally getting their form, but they struggled. So I can see why maybe they just like to uh, play by themselves. And that's that changes some things. I'm not afraid of it. Uh, yeah, there's the immediate, I think we may jump down in size uh, for a little bit. But if we get at least a few of these teams in to get back up to, say, eight, yeah, um, that would be good. And then build it back up. But I don't know. But I still think for long term, we still have to get some clubs either moving down from championship or promoting some clubs from USL League Two, because we need to get closer to around 20. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and, I, and I think the big thing, you know, when you look at the athletic and it talks about all the teams that are interested in leaving or all the MLS clubs that would leave, it would take USL championship down probably closer to 2022. 20, um, you know, they, they've got a list of their own places where they're looking at adding clubs like such as Buffalo, New York, uh, looking at adding teams in Baltimore. Um, so there's places like that that are going to go. Um, you know, Detroit, when, when Nisa finally kicks the bucket, Detroit will move over. But when people were worried about losing those MLS teams and what it would do, when you, we look at the list that you just went over of all the places that are looking at, um, one of the ones that's funny that doesn't, doesn't even get mentioned um, that I've read reports about is High Point, North Carolina, hmm. uh, where they've got a, a minor league baseball stadium with acres and acres of outfield that they might be able to actually put a full-size soccer field into, unlike some of these baseball stadiums where it's actually technically not legally big enough. Um technically towards the Midwest. We'll just leave it there. Um, anyway, but you look at the the list of clubs that they're, that they're wanting to add um, and you see places like Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, Spokane, Washington. You hear about Athens, Georgia, or Columbia, you know, those two kind of small college towns. I think that opens up a new window. And I think it's, you know, college towns is kind of a good place to look for growth in lower division. Um, a place where tons of college kids are who aren't really all that worried about whether it's the best quality soccer. They just want to go somewhere and, and have some beers and uh, and heckle people. Um, I think it's kind of a good avenue to see uh, extra growth. And it doesn't it doesn't worry me. I'm not worried about USL League One struggling to come to terms with four or five of their teams leaving the league to join an MLS reserve league. Um, like you said, we, you know, we may we may go down towards eight in the initial stages, but fairly quickly, I think they'll be bringing people online uh, to help us grow, and that growth will continue to happen. And and I, of course, like you, uh, really want to see, uh, you know, the the so number of sides evened out um, because it is just kind of weird having a forty something USL Championship League and then a ten team. Uh, league one uh so hopefully that'll grow soon well one of the things we do have uh for the advantage is that uh we have the usl overall so we're part of a bigger family so we're not just like neighbors we're we're part of this larger thing so that's where sure. if it was if we were completely independent i would be more concerned with losing our mls2 because it would be harder if it was just the resources we had, but we've got, uh, we've got an umbrella. And so, and I know the USL over, uh, overall needs the USL league one um, to uh, be effective and to continue. So, uh, and I, and that, that's where I think there will be some shuffling. I, as well as these new clubs coming in, I think there's also going to be a shuffling of a deck. So from what I'm hearing, I don't know for a, I don't believe that there's going to be expansion coming up in the upcoming year uh, for 2021. I think the way that 2020 has gone, um, it's hard for people to have what they need to get those clubs started. So I think it's going to have to kind of roll with what they have this year. Um, maybe something like a, a 
a club that's struggling in championships, sort of like Richmond did, uh, may end up dropping down like you're talking about to try to keep us at eight clubs. Um, that as far as like division three sanctioning with us soccer, having eight teams in the league is, is kind of that cutoff line. Um, so you may see that happen to try to balance some things out. Um, but, uh, but then the, you know, the future looks pretty bright uh, as far as some of these places that want to grow. Uh, so that's exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to mention about Richmond because they are, I think a success story on what it's like to move uh, down to uh, and then be so effective and they are um i they fit right in with league one and extremely competitive uh and they bring i don't let them hear us say this but they bring a lot of uh, street cred and a, a history uh because there's a, a lot of our our teams are very new so it would be nice to see a little bit more of that and it'd be nice to get some more sides out west so tucson has something to do yes that is for sure um those poor guys and all of the travel that they have to do just to just to play their nearest rival north texas <laughs> all the way in arlington <laughs> um so Moving on to some other stuff, looking at uh, at what we just had in the international window. Um, so Liechtenstein uh, had a couple games, and uh, they were weighed, and uh, they were measured, and they were found wanting. Unfortunately, not able to score a goal in either game. Yes, but they were able to stop others from scoring on them. So that's a success when you're Liechtenstein. So uh, we also had some surprising results. Uh, Germany in a 3-3 draw with Switzerland and Spain mm-hmm. losing to Ukraine. Yeah, uh, what was that about? Else? Yeah, a couple. Uh, today, England, um, that whole match today, uh, Harry Maguire just, um, he got that red card and uh, England fell to Denmark. England stepped on a Lego. They did. They did. Ooh. And another one I wasn't expecting uh, Mexico end up having a 2-2 draw with Algeria, and they've got some good players in Algeria, but Mexico really was the heavy favorite. So yeah. um, I really was expecting Mexico to win that. I wonder if, uh, if you know, the empty stadiums are starting to kind of catch up and, and it, it equalizes things and it makes things a little awkward, um, and maybe that kind of helps draw these things. Um, I think maybe it kind of speaks to what Adam is talking about. Um that that this international window, I, I don't know, was it really necessary to have all of these guys leave their teams and those protocols and whatever bubble they're in and travel around the world and play these matches? And, and you know, maybe Spain was just not up to, to show up and play in that sort of situation. And so, you know, Ukraine's not a pushover, but but when you put those teams on paper, nine times out of 10, you're expecting Spain to win that game. And you see the result that... Uh one of the top players of all time, Ronaldo ends up getting it. And of course, like five of the uh, half the starters, almost uh, of the, of the Wolves starters are on the Portugal team. And so I'm very worried uh, going into our, our Leeds match this weekend, because uh, you, you've, you've seen COVID-19 hit uh, the Portugal team and you have to wonder, was it really the best time? Could you have hit pause on the international play. Right. Because I'm afraid it may risk all of these other leagues. So, and I mean, they're at the very beginning of the international window, there was European cup qualifier games that were being played. 
I can yeah. understand trying to get those in the year, the UEFA nations league. I like the concept, but I don't see it being so necessary to play those games through this window. Um, yeah. But here again, you've got the world cup qualifiers and in no surprise in South American world cup qualifiers, Argentina and Brazil have won their first two matches and are at the top of that qualifying group. So it uh, a brief look at the South America one, and it's all chalk, basically. Yeah, it's uh, you 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 pretty well know Argentina, Brazil, and Uruguay are going to be in there. That is true. So turning to English Premier League, you uh, you talked about uh, having a bit of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, what's a match that you're excited about watching? Obviously, you're not too excited to watch Wolves. Well, I am. I'm very excited, especially after, you know, this week, brother, was uh, was brutal. I got to say, because, I, you know, I know I wasn't going to get Wolves. I wasn't going to get my English uh, teams because of the international. And so I was like, well, at least I've got the Red Wolves playing on Saturday to kind of to hold me over through the weekend. Right. And I didn't. So it's been it feels like I've been injured by the universe. And so in the OMI. So now we're coming back, and I don't know what shape the Wolves are going to be in coming back. Hopefully they're stronger. They're still, you know, getting their new players in. But we're coming up against Leeds, and Leeds is hot. And so um, yeah, uh, it's we played very well against Leeds when we were against them in championship, but both sides have improved so much. So I think it's going to be a good match. But I still, uh, I'm still confident on, on my Wolves pulling it out. But it's, it's going to be um, – really tough to watch but i do think the match the match this weekend has to be the merseyside derby uh you've got everton liverpool and that's everything else is just uh is a side dish yeah i agree and i think you look at the form everton is growing in confidence off to a good start this year uh something that i predicted uh, if we go back a few episodes i just want to shout that out and uh and Liverpool has shown that uh, that they, you know, they've got some chinks in the armor that they they'll concede goals if you if you come at them with quality um, that it leads to could be a, a very exciting game between the two. Yeah, I think the last couple of years, it's been more of a, of the rivalry of a hammer versus a nail. Um, but I think this one's going to be this one's going to be uh, come down to the wire. It's going to have some excitement and uh, and we're going to you know see a lot of stuff back and forth. Liverpool's coming back from its most embarrassing loss in a long time. So they're going to want to come back and be strong. And Everton's on top of the world right now. So it's going to be really good. Another one to watch out for is City and Arsenal. And so uh, that one, now they're not quite playing on the top forms that they had been, but uh, you can always expect uh, top quality because uh, those are two two good teams. So I don't know if anyone knows this, but Adam is an Arsenal fan. Really? Oh, I didn't. So I didn't. That's right. He's not here. I didn't have to even mention Arsenal. What was I thinking? It should be a good weekend, uh, especially after a, the break this past weekend. There'll be lots of excitement. It seems like playing without fans has uh, has given a lot of freedom to attacking players. And uh, and so, you know, what you can look forward to is goals and excitement. And that's great. Uh, that that really helps kind of sell the game. It's it's too bad all of it's on uh, an app behind a paywall that people aren't watching instead of on 
over the air broadcast television. Not that anyone's better or anything. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, did you did you have any other uh, EPL tidbits before we uh, before we move along? No, that's all I got for this weekend, bro. All right. Well, then it is time for our Biggles Wade report. Um, Biggles Wade United over the weekend. So that was the soccer that I did get to watch, uh, you know, set the Twitch stream uh, while I was making eggs for people. And uh, Dave Bullet Parkinson for Biggles Wade United is absolutely en fuego, Jeff. He is unstoppable. Something like seven goals so far this season uh, in the in the six or seven games that they've played. Uh, scores the one goal, they get a one nothing uh, win. Uh, Biggleswade FC, unfortunately, continuing to struggle. They've now lost four straight. Uh, so hopefully they can get things on the right track soon. They They started the season with great promise. Uh, had some really uh, some fun bits when you're watching highlights of, you know, like completing 12 straight passes that would lead to a goal. Uh, so hopefully they can get back to those winning ways. Um, and then really important, Biggleswade Town did lose on Saturday, but I've got a good feeling about him, Jeff. Yeah. The, uh, the match ball that Soccer Chat sponsored is going to be in play this saturday do it. so we'll be using our uh our esp doing everything we can to push that ball magically across the goal line uh as they take on alf church and uh and we're really excited to uh to see that and uh and so really cool we're gonna get a a ball signed by the team they're gonna send that out to us uh after the match oh fantastic uh so really excited um, the, uh, they've done a lot of things with this. We funder, one of our listeners also pitched in, uh, he, he pitched in like 10 bucks and sponsored a couple different players, uh, sponsoring their socks. Um, the, the stadium this year is named after a, uh, a big waiters fan named Yvette Brewer, uh, who passed away this year. Um, so it was named in her honor. Um, so check out that we funder. Um, you can you can find a link for it on the soccer chat Twitter. We've shared it a couple times. Um, you know, there's there's a lot that doesn't cost a whole bunch if you're interested in helping uh, a local community team. Uh, Biggles Wade United has something similar that they're looking for ways to sponsor. So you can uh, send an email to Biggles Wade United and see if there's something that you can do to help sponsor them as well. Uh, since they're not able to have as many fans. Uh, through the turnstiles as they normally do. Uh, so it's a way to kind of help keep them going and keep that investment in lower league soccer in the UK. So did you say that uh, the waiters, Biggleswade Town, is playing Alf Church? So it's Alf with a V, Alf Church. Okay, because I was totally imagining a church that formed in honor of a 1980s alien that eats cats. And, and I realized that would be kind of epic. Scary, but kind of epic. And being 2020, that really doesn't seem that strange anymore. No, it does not. And the other, the other takeaway is I think we can refer to Dave the Bullet Parkinson as the Greg Hurst of Biggleswade. Yes, uh, I think we should refer to him as future Chattanooga Red Wolf forward Dave Bullet Parkinson. Hey, there you go. The you know 
the the more we say it, maybe we'll speak it into existence. <laughs> Going back to our um, kind of Alf Church, that's how you make things happen. So it's a it's a magic based church. <laughs> All right, well, Jeff, this is another episode for the books. Uh, we hope to see y'all on Saturday at CHI Memorial Stadium. Uh, we'll bring the chai tea. And uh, mm-hmm. and you guys come wave a rally towel and cheer the guys on as we continue our pursuit of the top two. As Roe brings us a promised hat trick. He promised. You promised, Roe. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. I got to call you out on the Liechtenstein thing. I was extremely disappointed at the last, and we could play back the audio if we need to, but uh, you had made the claim that there was a player in the Liechtenstein uh, team named Ulrich, and I was so excited. And so after the podcast, because I'm all about street cred and, and, and research, you know, the academic that I am, right. and I looked, and I have not found an Ulrich who's played with that side in in recent history. And I was... um. I think the operative word is I was I was crushed, crushed. So I guess the uh, the patents of nobility were uh, were studied, and <laughs> so this I mean this basically is your initiation to the soccer chat family. You you got caught in an Alex bit. Yeah, I did. I bit it. Um, the whole point of bringing it up was to make reference to a Knight's Tale which you played into so perfectly. And I, I wanted it to be so true. I wanted it to be true. With an excellent Paul Bettany impersonation. So I appreciated you doing that. Um, and then was shocked to find out you didn't realize I was doing a bit. I have had a career as a medieval herald. And, uh, and one day I'll show you the pictures of it. So We're going to have to uh, re-record the uh, medieval heraldry as the introduction to this podcast, I think. I'm your man for that, man.